This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 83, submission number 1106, The David Letterman Show within a show. What? Trust me on this. These are shows that have appeared as vignettes on the various David Letterman programs. Yeah, some of our favorites. And and surely there will be a few of your favorites in there, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's time now to check in and see what's happening with our newest character, Father Biff. He's streetwise but compassionate. I should point that out. Biff? Well, guys, there's been so many moments in the 33 years David Letterman was on late night television. Yes, yes. From late night with David Letterman on NBC to the late show with David Letterman on CBS. We've had so many great moments, but as we all know, David Letterman could get really wacky. And oh, this, yeah. is, this is going to be the first in a series of segments on this show where we're going to devote to shows within a show on television. And what do we mean by that exactly? Well, these are actually shows that were it not for their parent show would not exist. Yeah, these are like mock shows. These are mocks. These are recurring sketches. These are basically plot points. Yeah, if you think about it, it's sort of like on Conan's show, you have occasionally Sports Blast. And on Johnny Carson's show, you had uh, Art Fern's Tea Time movie. That's what we mean by a show within a show. Yeah. Yep. But we're not talking about Conan now, and we're not talking about Carson now. We're talking about Letterman. Yeah. Yeah, those two will be in a later show. And I think the first segment we're going to talk about, uh, Greg's going to talk about it, and it's a favorite of all three of us. Yes. The first segment is called Fiverr Biff. Now, Fiverr Biff involves, of course, one of our favorites from the Letterman show, stage manager Biff Henderson. And so Biff Henderson, in this sketch, he plays a priest named Fiverr Biff. And basically, it's a series of sketches. These were nine segments that aired during the fall of 1989 first segment started on September 19th, 1989. The final segment was November 23rd, 1989. And so you have father Biff trying to teach two tough street punks, the error of their ways, sometimes to success, sometimes not more often than not, uh, not to success. No, no, there's one segment where Father Biff uh, goes, takes the two street punks out, uh, pushes them aside through the window where you can't see them, and then he pulls out a gun and it implies that he has murdered the two street punks. And A, he doesn't have good aim, but B, he can't really control the gun that well. He's having uh, problems uh, shooting off the bullets. No. Quote-unquote bullets. 
no. Mm-hmm. But one th- one common theme is after every episode, when he's done with the street punks, he says, "I'm gonna kick your butt." <laughs> Well, you also need to remember he's compassionate but streetwise. Well, he's also tough but tender. Yes, he is. It's a butt-kicking priest. But I got a question, Mike. Why is it that that Father Biff has to teach these two street punks new lessons over and over again? It's like these two street punks just don't learn anything. Well, they're incorrigible. Um uh, obviously, Father Biff doesn't want uh, them ending up in jail or behind bars. No. He's he's looking out for them. Yes. But, God, it's just, he, you know, he is not, he's not doing a good job sometimes with these kids, but. Well, well but also, as David Letterman brings up, I think there's a bigger uh, underlying issue. Yeah. Uh, that's the fact that these uh, these street toughs who are, are teenaged, are being played by people in their 30s. Uh, That's just television right there, buddy. Yeah. And we should also mention one of the street toughs was Ed Hall. Yes. We'll talk about in future entry, Merv Griffin's Crosswords. By the way, is Merv Griffin's Crosswords on the next video game show, Mike? It has to be. It has to be. It can be. I've got it for the PC and I've got it for the Wii. I got it on the I, Wii, and I got it on the 360. Yeah, I had it on the 360, but I don't have a 360 any longer. Okay. Do you still have it on a hard drive? I don't have the hard drive any longer. I don't oh. have the 360 or the hard drive. I gave it to my uh, my cousins like seven years ago. Oh. You should have sold it for like some cash. Anyway. Now, they wanted it for Christmas, so I gave them one so I didn't have their parents spending money. I was being the good family member. There you go. You see, Mike was being a good uncle. Cousin. 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 He was being a good cousin. Okay. Anyway, I'm looking at uh I'm looking at this father Biff from nineteen eighty eight. Here's you wanna talk about you wanna talk about a heavy? Jerry Vale was on that. Was on Yes a, he was, yes. Yep. That talk about talk about a heavy hitter. And he regaled everybody with a song at the end. Yeah. But unfortunately, they didn't learn their lesson, the street pugs, because in the next segment, they ended up stealing canned food from the church basement on Thanksgiving. Oh, no. You can't do that. Not on. No, no, you can't. You can't steal canned food from the ba- from the church basement on Thanksgiving. I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then the one time they're shooting dice, and Father Biff said, if I uh, roll the number, I expect to see both of you in church. And he rolls the dice, and up comes a seven. Yep. See you, lads, on Sunday. Right right after I kick your butt. No, no, if they don't show up to church on Sunday, he'll kick their butt. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. So that's Father Biff. So what else do we got? Okay, so our second segment is, well, it's that's it's in that along that same timeline as Father Father Biff on a late night with David Letterman, and around that time we had a very controversial talk show host and Morton Downey Jr. come out. 
Not to be outdone, David Letterman has his own version of Morton Downey Jr., played by Chris Elliott. I give you the Chris Elliott Jr. show. And it was basically the Morton Downey Jr. show, but with Chris Elliott in the, in the title role. And we will be covering the Morton Downey Jr. show later on this year. Mm-hmm. So basically what it is, Chris Elliott playing Morton Downey Jr. And to the hilt. We have the audience being the audience. We have David Letterman being the, uh, I guess, the panelist on the Morton Downey Jr. show. He was more like a bystander. He was a bystander. It's like he didn't know what was going on. And he's just like, okay, this is such and such a person in charge of such and such a thing, Dave Letterman. And he was just, you know what? Props to David Letterman for playing along with it. I also need to give props to David Letterman because now if you remember Morton Downey Jr., he did have uh, little flaws, blemishes, skin tags on his face, his, his neck. And they played that to the hilt with Chris Elliott by putting little bits of, uh, of putty oh, all, yeah. uh, all over his face. He had like, looks like he had moles all over his face. Yeah, like on almost every show, not not necessarily on the first show, but like every other one besides the first one, he'd like take him off his face after a while. <laughs> and the audience is like, "Ew!" it's like, oh, come on. It's a friggin' prosthetic. Jeez. But, it, oh, and I was a huge fan of Morton Downey Jr. back in the day. This was hilarious. Uh, you, you had some crazy arguments. Now, it would just be like little three or four se- minute segments. It wouldn't be like the TV show that much. But one of the segments was, are there too many ice cream flavors at the ice cream parlor? Yeah, I want chocolate. I want vanilla. That's it. <laughs> Get rid of all these stupid flavors at the Tasty Freeze. But they did use a backdrop, which looks very similar to the one they used on the Morton Downey Jr. show. And they also used the podiums or again, similar podiums to what was used on the Morton Downey Jr. show. And even the logo, if you remember the logo of the Morton Downey Jr. show was basically, it was a mouth wide open. Yeah. They used that too, including like the the same typeface. Yeah. It wasn't like, I wonder how they could even only get the same typeface back then. Because it wasn't like today, how you could just go on like Google and just search, all right, what's the typeface for this show? And just easily get it on like Google after like ten seconds. Yeah. Well, maybe somebody had it uh, ends with WWR at the time. Well, it's not. It's not like it's hard. I mean, WWOR is what eight miles outside of uh, New York City. Well, WWOR is in Secaucus. It's in yeah. Secaucus. Yeah, not too far. Not too far. It's eight miles outside the city. And again, I'm sure, like I said, somebody had the ins or there was somebody on NBC's staff who knew what typeface was used and uh, easily replicated it. Yeah. Uh, but And also, just like the Morton Downey Jr. show, there was always a confrontation of some sort. I mean, even the opening, not necessarily the opening animation like the Morton Downey Jr. show, but the opening where Morton Downey Jr. comes into the audience and gives high fives. Yeah. And, and kisses, kisses the American, American flag. flag. Yeah, I mean, that was done perfectly. So here comes Chris Elliott Jr. into the studio. Everybody's hooting and hollering, not unlike what you'd see nowadays on, like, 
Maury or, or Jerry Springer, but they didn't weren't, you know, rooting Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. It was just crowd going crazy and he's high-fiving everybody and, and yeah, kissing, like I said, American flags. It was a great, great impersonation of the Morton Downey Jr. show, a beloved show from my childhood. Yeah. But again, we'll talk more about that in December. Yep. Well, I think it's going to be my turn, and I'm going to talk about a segment that only appeared twice, and it was called Skink the Bounty Hunter. Skink the Bounty Hunter? Skink the Bounty Hunter. We've all heard of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Well, Skink the Bounty Hunter, a skink is a lizard, and uh, this lizard eats vermin and bugs, and that's sort of what Skink the Bounty Hunter was doing. He was getting rid of the bugs and vermin in society. Tee hee hee. Uh, except, you know, as he mentioned, uh, he wasn't eating them like a skink. He was just getting rid of them. So skink was played by Chris Elliott, who, well, we just mentioned him in the Chris Elliott Jr. show, but he's done like everything for Letterman like over the last 35 years. His partner... Gerard, guess who played Gerard? Gerard Mulligan. Boy, that was a stretch. Yeah. Yes, his partner Gerard was played by Gerard Mulligan. The best way to describe Gerard's relationship to Skink in this series of two shows is he's the general disarray to Professor Chaos on South Park. Ah, now that makes sense. Now that makes a ton of sense. Now it makes a ton of sense, yes. He's the henchman type, but also the dullard type. Not not terribly intelligent, no. No. And so there are two episodes. The first episode, the pair, Gerard and Skink, they go after somebody. And uh, they actually uh, find him in the area and they're going to rappel down the side of a building and surprise this person. Pretty genius. Well, unfortunately chaos ensues because Gerard's taser goes off and shocks uh, skink with a couple of thousand volts. Ouch. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's issues is putting Skink in the harness to repel him down the side of the building. Uh, a little tight in certain areas, if you know what I mean. Ow. Uh-huh. And uh, he has trouble getting over the window to, to repel down the building because, well, Chris Elliott is a pretty big guy and he would have been probably in his mid to late 40s at the time. And trust me, being a person in my mid 40s, I don't move as well as I used to. Some bones don't move the way that they used to. Gotcha. Yeah. So Skink goes over the edge of the window and is rappelling down. And, well, there's one major flaw with their, uh, their tactic. They're literally in a window like three feet above the guy's head. They weren't going down like 10 stories. No, they're going down like about three feet. And so they're trying to surprise him. And Skink's like, "Uh uh-oh, he sees me. Back up, 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 up. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. 
kind of reminds me of Chris Elliott's later character, uh, Chris Monsanto on Tiger Heart. I, I think it's Tiger Eagle Heart. Heart. Eagle, Eagle Heart. Heart. Yeah. Eagle Heart, yes. You mean, you mean future episode Eagle Heart. Yeah. Ah. Uh-huh. The second episode was a little more cleverly thought out. This time they're uh, trying to find somebody who is wanted for, this is not a joke, they actually showed the warrant on TV, he was wanted for skateboarding in a no-loading zone at an A&P, and his bond was $20,000. What? Well, that, guys, that tells you how long ago it was when it was an A&P. Well, and also, obviously the ridiculousness of it, $20,000 bond for skateboarding, skateboarding. in a no-loading zone. So uh, Skink and uh, Gerard and Skink's wife, Peg, they go to the A&P and are looking for this person. And they have the wanted poster and uh, they're looking around and they find a person who, no, Skink says, no, doesn't look, you're not this guy. You don't look like him. And it's dead looks like him. Mm-hmm. It is him. He's got uh, sort of a heavy set face and he's got long hair and he skateboards away from the A&P in the no loading zone. <laughs> oh God. Oh, geez. And then meanwhile, Skink, he goes after an older guy, definitely not a skateboarding type, putting his groceries away in his car and says, we know this is you, you, you know, you bad guy. You're coming with us. What? Huh? I didn't do anything. Shut up. You're going to prison. And they stick him in the back of the car and hilarity ensues. But also I should add that both of these episodes, they ended with a tribute sort of to Desi Lou Productions. Yeah, I love Lucy and other shows. And also a tribute to Honeymooners. They had an ending which said a Skinky Lou production. And it had Chris Elliott or Skink in this case's head inside a moon sort of like what you'd see with jackie gleason <laughs> to the moon alice so, sounds sounds fun sounds fun mike all right it was fun and especially in a time when we needed fun unfortunately it's, it's not fun necessarily making fun of dog the bounty hunter now because his wife did pass last year from cancer <laughs> But at the time, I thought it to be absolutely hilarious. And I, I thoroughly enjoy watching Dog the Bounty Hunter. Well, I'll tell you this. Was, as great as Skink the Bounty Hunter was, not as good as Cartman's portrayal as Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, no. No. That, that might be a South Park show within a show, possibly. Yeah, Cartman yeah. is Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> okay. So now we get into... Maybe one of the all-time great Letterman shows within the show. A segment that went on for a good 13 years from 1998 to 2011. And What's then, that? Well, that is Pat and Kenny read Oprah transcripts. That's right. You're wondering, Pat and Kenny read Oprah transcripts. What's that? Well, this is how it sounds. Late show stagehands Pat Farmer and Kenny Sheehan read Oprah transcripts. So what so what it basically is is Pat Farmer is playing the role of Oprah and Kenny Sheehan is playing the role of the 
person who's being interviewed by Oprah. So the joke would be Pat Former would, would be like, because, you know, Oprah would be like, woo, oh, yeah, woo, you know, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, in the transcript, Pat Former would be like, yeah, oh, yeah, woo, all right. <laughs> or, and so it'd be like, our next guest is somebody who's who's recognized within the world over, like Barbara Streisand or somebody. And they would cut to Kenny Sheehan being like, thank you, Oprah. And like the, the normal, like cigarette smoking voice he'd have. Oh yeah. And usually Kenny would have like a cigarette in his mouth while he was reading the transcript. Sometimes it'd be like, you'd see like all the ash in the cigarette. Like he couldn't put an, put this ash in the sugar, in the uh, ashtray. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just ridiculous. But yeah, and at the end of every segment on Pat and Kenny Reed Oprah transcripts, Alan Coulter would say, if you would like a written transcript of Pat and Kenny Reed Oprah transcripts, write to us at 1697 Broadway, New York, New York, 10019. I would like to know if somebody actually did this. Did somebody actually write to the late show saying, yes, I would like a written transcript of Pat and Kenny Reed Oprah transcripts? I don't know. You know somebody had to. Somebody had to. And if they act, I wonder if they actually did send a transcript of Pat and Kenny Reed Oprah transcripts. By the way, it tells you how long ago this was back in the days when they would actually have transcripts for the shows. Oh, by the way, kids, in case you don't know what a transcript was, back in the day, we didn't have YouTube. So you would have to, like, if you want to, like, relive an episode. You could get, you could ask like the studio or the network, hey, can I get a transcript of the episode? And they'd be like, sure. And they'd send you a transcript of everything written on the show that was said, typed up. So man, can you imagine somebody who had like a transcript of Oprah being like, oh man, I want to really relive this episode of Oprah Winfrey. I want to read the transcript of her interviewing, I don't know, like Tina Turner or somebody. And apparently... You could. You could. But, oh, that wasn't the best part of Pat and Kenny read Oprah transcripts. You know what the best part of Pat and Kenny read Oprah transcripts was? What's that? The theme song to Pat and Kenny read Oprah transcripts. And we're going to play it right now. All right, Dave, tonight uh, Kenny and I are going to be singing our own theme song also. Wow. (laughs) Pat and Kenny singing their own theme song. All right, here we go. I believe I will run on, see what the end will be. We will work on, find out what waits for me. I see 10,000 stories and glories and dreams. I see angels right here on earth. Our hearts are open Like what I see. Come on and run with me, Pat and Kenny. So yeah, this would be a parody of like the opening theme song that Oprah Winfrey used, like in the '98, '99 season. So it's just like Pat and Kenny, like on a street with like people singing like basically the lyrics to the Oprah Winfrey theme song. And it's like, you see them playing like jump rope and stuff. 
It's it was basically a parody of the Oprah Winfrey opening. Yes. That's what I said, Chico. It's a parody oh, of the sorry. Oprah Winfrey opening. That's the joke. And yeah, once again, Kenny would have a, like a cigarette in his mouth while he was jumping rope. <laughs> it, it is a sight to behold, I should say. Next up is from 2005 and one of the uh, historical sort of events of our generation, the Michael Jackson trial. Now, we all know what happened to the Michael Jackson trial. Wait, thing- wait, what happened in the Michael Jackson trial, Chico? Michael Jackson went on trial to fight charges of uh, molest- uh, child molestation. Oh, why didn't anyone tell me about this news? Oh, I thought, I thought you knew. I know. I thought you knew. Anywho, uh, one of the things that not, not many people know about the Michael Jackson trial is that no television cameras were allowed in the courtroom. No. So, E, because they are E and they need content at around this time, this was, I believe this was before the Kardashians came knocking, they decided a nightly reenactment of the Michael Jackson trial, in which they had all of the big moments from the trial and they had actors, well-known actors, I should say, reenact those those uh, happenings. The E reenactment of the Michael Jackson trial is a future installment. Not one to uh, shirk the comedic gold, because this is the same era and the same show that gave us Pat and Kenny read Oprah transcripts. We have Gerard Mulligan. And the reenactment of the reenactment of the Michael Jackson trial. Jacko and his ass. Uh, all I can say is, Gerard Mulligan, is there anything that he can't do? It, it had one joke, but damn it, they made that joke work. Oh, you, yo, you're right about that. I mean, Gerard Mulligan. Mm-hmm. It's Gerard Mulligan. What can you say? Hey. He has one job and one job only, and he totally nails it. Yes. Oh, but the best part is the uh, the segment with Macaulay Culkin, with the with the fat st- guy who's like not he doesn't even remotely look like Macaulay Culkin, saying, "Look at me, I'm ador- adorable." And he does the part in Home Alone where he puts his hands to his face, and then it cuts back to Gerard as Michael Jackson. Putting his hands on his face also. Oh, boy. That was great. That was so great. It's a joke, people! Yeah, and again, this is on YouTube, but holy cow. Had Gerard Mulligan did not win, like, an Emmy Award for his portrayal as Michael Jackson, I will never know. The Academy. It's all politics. Anywho, what's next? All right, so now we go into our next segment, which is the character which was introduced in 1991 on Late Night with David Letterman. And it actually was briefly brought back on The Late Show with David Letterman around the early to mid-2000s. But the 1991 version we'll be talking about, and that is Dwight the Troubled Teen. He's Dwight the Troubled Teen. 
Well, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's uh, pretty much a put on on the uh, old fashioned sitcoms yeah, it, based on the open. Yeah, it's basically a troubled teen who comes to the Letterman show who has his issues, and Dave tries to talk to him, but you know, because he's a troubled teen, he's moody, and he mm-hmm. says to to Dave and everybody, "I hate you. I hate all of you." Ah, he has a lot of teenage angst. Yeah, he does. He definitely has a lot of teenage angst. Apparently, he was fourteen, but you wouldn't know it if you saw the guy who was playing him. I don't. I have no idea who was playing him, but he yeah, sure as heck wasn't fourteen. It, it's Letterman writer Chris Albers, who actually ended up being a writer on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Oh, and by the way, fun fact. Chris Albers appears in a segment which was recently uploaded to Conan's Team Coco YouTube channel. He appears in a sketch from 1998 involving future installment Amy Poehler as Conan's sister Stacy on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Yes. We should also add that Dwight the Troubled Teen did return in the early 2000s played by a different actor, an actor named Michael Zagan. Oh, I know yes. who he is. Yeah, that uh, Michael Zagan? Yeah, from the Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah, uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, as well as Boardwalk Empire, Girls, Rescue Me, number of other shows. But yeah, he portrayed Dwight the Troubled Teen in 2002. And Dwight, at least the first version of Dwight, just had a lot of angst. There was a time when... He was caught smoking, and Dave said, uh, you're not supposed to be smoking. And, and Dwight said, well, you and your mom are uh, smoke. You and your and mom are hypocrites. And he just stormed off. That was the segment. That was it. Like That you, was it. That was it. No explanation, just... Nope, just, I saw you and mom doing it. You're a friggin' hypocrite. Yep, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all the segments. It's like Dave trying to explain to Dwight something, and then Dwight's pissed and then he just walks off yeah well there was one sort of creepy segment where uh apparently it was uh the birthday of somebody across the street from nbc and she got a bunch of flowers and then here comes dwight the troubled teen into her office and he's just staring at her and she's like what am i supposed to do with him he's just like staring at me and letterman sort of came off as not our problem (laughs) (laughs) now we've saved the best for last and definitely the most popular for last Uh uh-huh what do you get when you take a fish tank a grinder girl a hula hooper and several household objects is it buoyant in america Hey, look, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Will It Float? Oh, my gosh. This was a staple on Friday nights. And this aired, oh, my. It aired for the longest time. I don't know exactly how long, but it started pretty early on Letterman's CBS show. I want to say 95-ish. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was pretty early. I mean, uh, it, it it ran pretty early and it ran pretty late. Uh, this was just the one of the best sort of 
re, re, uh, reoccurring segments on the show. And simply, it was just a, well, you wouldn't do it for wagering, sort of like how Letterman would, would say no wagering during stupid pet tricks. Mm-hmm. You, you, you wouldn't necessarily do a wager, but Dave and Paul, they would just make outcomes, guesses. Okay, I think it's going to sink. I think it's going to float. Mm-hmm. And so what would happen is usually one of the girls would push it into the tank and, well, is it buoyant or is it going to sink? There's your million-dollar question. And Do we have any stats on that show or no? I don't have stats with me. I can tell you that uh, they jokingly showed a home game a number of times. Mm, uh, yep. and, and also Letterman at some point plugged a PS3 version of the game. Oh, that would have been awesome. And, of course, don't forget the British version. Is it buoyant? Yes, is it buoyant? And uh, supposedly also a 360 version he would be pushing. Oh. Oh, who wouldn't want to play Will Float on your Xbox 360? I mean, the only thing that would be better is if you had it for the Wii. So you could use the Wii Mote and push it over the edge into the tank. Yeah. That would be the peak of interactivity in 2007. It would be, yes. And of course, afterwards, you have the fanfare with Hula Hoop Girl and Grinder Girl grinding away at her metal outfit, I would say. Yeah. To the, uh, to the theme music, and down goes the court curtain. Will it flow? Oh, will, will, will it float? Oh, that was priceless. I mean, that, that was probably the most popular show within the show on Letterman. But, oh, my gosh, it was always an absolute riot. Yep. Especially, it, 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 especially the way Alan Coulter just announced it. And it may have been repetitive, but it was always darn funny. Darn funny and sometimes surprising. You think it's going to float, and nope, it sinks to the bottom. Oh. Well, I, I don't know if this show is going to sink or float, but, well... I, I think we've uh, we're done here. Yeah. Yep. David Letterman had a lot of good ideas, and we remember the best of them as things on TV. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you can find out about more things on TV over eighty previous installments Ooh. at it was a thing on TV dot com. Yeah. Uh, you can also follow us on our socials on. Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg's hate box. And you can find us on Twitter, also known as Jack Dorsey's hate box and Instagram, which is Mark Zuckerberg's hate image box. And uh, we're also on discord and we're also on Tumblr and you can find us uh, at all the places except uh, discord at it was a thing on TV. Yep. And as always, please don't forget Please share because sharing is caring and like and subscribe and rate and review. And coming up next. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even gonna make any more I'm not even gonna give any more hints. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not even gonna say anything. I'm gonna just let just let Greg laugh. Oh, oh my god. So no, seriously, no, uh, hey, 
There'll be plenty of wind in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, the next episode might not be that long. It may literally be like Greg laughing for half an hour. And you know what? I'm cool with that. Oh, There's not a lot of meat on the potato. No. But, um, no. yeah, you've got a sneak preview of what the next episode is no, going to be. because yeah, he, He's dead. So that's coming out on Thursday. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you from Greg. Thank you from Chico. Thank you from me, Mike. And as always, thank you for listening to It Was The Thing on TV. Row! Another one bites the dust. Baby, you're the greatest.